0: Welcome to episode 59 of the Montana Values Podcast. In this show, we'll highlight what appears to be the felony follies of Jennifer Fielder and her involvement in the St. Pete's debacle. Let's get right into it with our host, Tammy Fisher. But first, we want to thank our loyal listener, Kevin, who sent in a generous contribution. Thank you, Kevin. He said he wanted to sponsor a show in memory of his grandparents, Hardy and Anne who farmed outside of Highwood, Montana.
1: Yeah, thanks, Kevin. I know the Highwoods well, having been a Great Falls girl myself. In fact, I think I used to go to the Highwoods to go cow tipping. So, Kevin, I really hope that I didn't tip over any of your family's cows. If so, I regret it. I'm sorry. And thanks for sponsoring the show. As promised, we are back with part two of our series on the St. Peter's Hospital shenanigans brought upon Montanans by none other than Austin Knudsen's Department of Injustice. In our last episode, we talked about the full scope of Montana Attorney General Austin Knudsen's gigantic leap into the private business affairs of St. Peter's Hospital, into an issue that was none of his business and for which he had no authority to be involved in the first place. But because of arrogance, hubris, and immaturity, Austin jumped in and he and his staff have utterly lied to Montanans not once, not twice, but three times about having jurisdiction or the authority to get involved in the matter in the first place. And that is the sign of a politician who thinks Montanans are dumb enough not to notice or question him when he peddles his horseshit justifications. Of course, He comes to this conclusion for good reason, because his behavior is anointed by and supported by the Montana GOP leadership, who hope none of us are paying attention. And why does Montana's Republican Party continue to gloss over glaring impropriety in the ranks? Because they think having a credible party is unnecessary. Unnecessary in order to keep winning elections, and they are willing to win elections at all costs. They don't care about the Republican platform. Nope, they have just relegated the words and wisdom of the platform to the need for re-election. Because the Montana GOP has lost its way and has no clue nor gives any consideration to the fact that its hold on Montana is fragile. And if it doesn't recruit and retain candidates with good character who are actually qualified for these positions of power, well, It won't be long before the pendulum swings the other way or we end up with a fully autocratic state where personal freedom takes a backseat to power. And by allowing folks of poor character to run the state, it simply has adopted the National Democratic Party's tactics of the 1990s and fails to see how that worked out for the Democrats. And these elected officials are literally telling us with their own words that they intend to use the power of their positions to harm others. But no one in the Montana GOP leadership says a thing. Austin Knutson literally threatened a St. Pete's board member to get his desired result. And the Montana GOP leadership says in the face of the threat, nothing happened here. And the Democrats and the media should stop asking questions. Does that sound Republican to you? Does that sound Montanan to you? Does that sound like a government that at every turn is accountable to Montanans or does that sound like what the 2020 Republican platform criticized of the Democratic Party led by a Democratic president when it says quote the president and the democratic party have abandoned their promise of being accountable to the american people and here we sit montana the montana republican party has become exactly what the National Republican Party and Platform condemned of the Democrats. And it's in print, documented evidence of a refusal by the Montana Republican Party leadership to hold its members and elected officials accountable for their threats and intimidation of everyday Montanans, of their placing criminals as superior to victims, leading to a party that has lost all credibility and whose only strategy to ride the red wave for immediate gains. It's a party that tramples on its own platform, overlooks blatant corruption, and condemns those who question the very government the platform tells us to constantly question because we do this in an effort to secure a smaller, better, and accountable government. Hypocrites of the highest order, and they run the field masquerading as Republicans. Our next complete failure of an elected official that has found her way into the report on the St Peter's Hospital debacle is none other than Jennifer Fielder. Jennifer was a state senator for eight years. I say was because that becomes important later. She turned out in twenty twenty and ran for a position on the Public service commission that is where she is currently employed on the taxpayer dime to the tune of over a hundred thousand dollars a year and it's where she was employed at the time of the St. Peter's events.
0: In Jennifer's own words, quote, Jennifer's decision to step forward to serve in the state legislature in 2012 was rooted in prayer and a deep reverence for the principles of life, liberty, and property, which made this nation great. Jennifer believes it's not too late to get America back on the right track, but it will only happen if good enough people become informed and active in government processes. A proven civic leader and successful small business owner, Jennifer truly cares about people and fully commits herself to doing the best job possible in every endeavor she undertakes. It is her nature to be inclusive and work constructively without prejudice. When she makes a commitment, she keeps it. Her professional experience includes extensive work in both the public and private sectors. Providing her with valuable insights from both perspectives. End quote.
1: Now that all sounds good. But when you hear what she did in this case, folks, you're going to have to determine if Jennifer Fielder is a woman of her word or if she just panders in order to get a job on the taxpayer dime. Remember her words that it's in her quote nature to work constructively without prejudice committed to, quote, doing the best job possible in every endeavor she undertakes. Remember those promises as you hear not only what she did to St. Pete's, but her efforts at a cover-up. So for those of you just tuning in, here's the shit show scenario we have been talking about.
0: During the weekend of October 9th, 2021, an 82-year-old woman was admitted to St. Peter's Health in Helena, Montana, following a diagnosis of COVID-19. Shortly after her admission, A family friend serving as the patient's advocate reached out to Deputy Attorney General Kristen Hansen regarding concerns about the patient's care. Over dozens of text messages, the advocate relayed the concerns of the patient and her family. The family demanded that the patient be given ivermectin to treat coronavirus.
1: Now, the patient did not at the time have a prescription for ivermectin, but apparently there was a physician in Haver. Who is unaffiliated with St. Peter's Hospital, who was willing to provide a prescription, but he was not her treating provider in the hospital. So the family not only asked the attorney general's office to get involved, they reached out to Jennifer Fielder, a public service commissioner who has zero jurisdiction to get involved in anything related to a hospital and its care of a patient. Knowing this, Jennifer Fielder called the hospital and left a message referring to herself not as a public service commissioner which would have been the truth, but as a state senator, which is a bold-faced lie. And why did she misrepresent herself? Well, because the state Senate does actually have influence over Montana hospitals, and she wanted to threaten the hospital into compliance with the family's wishes with a threat that had some meat to it, which is the perceived backing of the state Senate. This, folks is why it is a crime to impersonate a police officer. Because a command to action from a regular Montanan doesn't mean diddly squat. But if you threaten under the auspices of having governmental authority, people tend to perk up and take the threat seriously and respond in kind. So Fielder leaves a voicemail with St. Peter's administration, but the special counsel chose
0: not to release the voicemail because, quote, Following consultation with the Senate president, the House speaker, and minority leadership, the special counsel made the decisions not to release the voicemail because it contains the patient's name and significant personal health details about her life, her family, and her health, end quote.
1: That sounds reasonable, right? Um, no, it's not. Because the special counsel is not subject to the federal or Montana privacy laws that hospitals are subject to. And when Fielder of her own volition, decides to spew the private lives of the people she intends to advocate for over the phone, in a voicemail, while well, the release of that information publicly is on Fielder, not anyone else. And Montanans deserve to know exactly what was on that message. Nonetheless, this was a summation of the contents of Fielder's
0: message. Quote, On October eleventh, 2021, Public Service Commissioner Jennifer Fielder contacted St. Peter's Health regarding the care the patient was receiving. St. Peter's Administration Department transferred her to the Risk Management Office, where she left a three-minute voicemail for a hospital employee. In the message, Commissioner Fielder introduces herself as State Senator Jennifer Fielder. She later clarifies that she is a former state senator. She also identifies the patient as a Senate staffer. While the patient had worked for the Montana legislature in previous sessions, employment during the legislative session is a temporary position, and she was not employed by the legislature at the time of her hospitalization. In the message, Commissioner Fielder states that the patient is of sound mind and has requested ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, but the hospital's providers have refused to prescribe them. She states that contact has been made, with a doctor in Haver who will provide these medications to the patient. Commissioner Fielder argues that under Montana law, the patient has a right to try these alternative medications in search of life-saving care. Commissioner Fielder then advises the recipient that her voicemail is a record, that she suggests the hospital employee not erase, because if this doesn't turn out well, there will be a suit. Commissioner Fielder concludes the message, stating that the patient has an awful lot of friends who care about her, and that the commissioner doesn't think the senators will be too happy to hear about what's going on with the patient's care at St. Pete's right now, end quote.
1: So, this is how screwed up Fielder is. She actually thinks she knows something about hospital care and what people are entitled to. There's actually no right for a patient to receive a certain kind of medication in the hospital. And what Fielder doesn't know because she hasn't bothered to look or research this, but claims to be an expert on it anyway, is that hospitals have medical staffs. If you are not on the medical staff of a hospital, you cannot then distribute medication to a patient. So a doctor in Haver might have a prescription for ivermectin that he's ready and willing to give to this patient. But unless that doctor is on the medical staff, staff of St. Pete's Hospital, he cannot, by law, distribute that medication to that patient in that hospital. So she knows absolutely nothing about what she's talking about, but with the force of law and the force of being a, quote, senator behind her name, she thinks she can tell them how to operate their business. So even without the verbatim recording of the message, every Montanan should cringe at this summary. Who in the hell does Fielder think she is? Apparently, one, A state senator, and two, a legal expert, despite not having any form of a law degree. You see, she says a whole bunch of shit that makes it sound like she's a credible resource when in fact she is not. But she says it anyway. And when she says that Montana's Right to Try Act requires hospital providers to do something, well, she has no actual earthly clue what she's talking about. Yet there she is, sitting on a fat $100,000 a year taxpayer funded salary, spewing horseshit and threatening legal action. In order to obtain a result, an elected official in Montana, who is supposed to be a Republican, so let's talk about the Right to Try Act in Montana. Under that law, which in fact was signed by Democrat Governor Steve Bullock, the act requires a treating healthcare provider to recommend an investigational drug for treatment of a terminal illness. The problem, well Jennifer doesn't see here, is that the patient's treating healthcare providers, the hospital physicians, weren't recommending ivermectin. More importantly, ivermectin isn't an investigational drug as that term is defined by the law that she, yes, Jennifer Fielder, voted on this law so she should know its contents. Ivermectin is not an investigational drug as that term is defined by the law she voted for in 2015. An investigational drug, had she bothered to read the law she voted for in
0: 2015, is... Quote, investigational drug, biological product, or device means a drug, biological product, or device that A, has successfully completed phase one of a clinical trial, but has not yet been approved for general use by the United States Food and Drug Administration, and B, remains under investigation in a United States Food and Drug Administration-approved clinical trial. And ivermectin doesn't meet the first
1: subcategory of that statute. It has not successfully completed phase one of any clinical trials. It hasn't. So it doesn't even qualify under the act that she voted for when she was in the Senate. So when she says that that right to try act applies here, no, it does not. And had she even bothered to read it before she voted on it, she would actually know that. So the Right to Try Act that Jennifer Fielder herself voted for when she was in the Senate doesn't apply to this case. Can't even get out of the chute, as we say in rodeo terms. So here we have another state senator who doesn't read the laws they pass, and yet seems to think she's a legal expert in its applicability. Does this reflect Jennifer as a professional who, in her own words, is, quote, committed to doing the best job possible in every endeavor she undertakes? No, kind of looks like she committed legislative malpractice when she didn't even read the freaking act that she's citing to when she's threatening hospital employees. The only intelligence Fielder has is enough intelligence to retract the representation that she is a current state senator. She related, apparently at the tail end of her threatening message, that, in fact, she's a former senator. And that's only because she knows that impersonating a public servant is a felony in Montana. That's right, folks. It's a felony. And it falls under the same section of law that perjury
0: falls under. 45-7-209. Impersonation of a public servant. 1. A person commits the offense of impersonating a public servant if the person falsely pretends to hold a position in the public service with the purpose to induce another individual to submit to the pretended official authority or otherwise to act in reliance upon that pretense to the individual's prejudice. Two, a person convicted of impersonating a public servant shall be fined not to exceed $5,000 or be imprisoned in the state prison for any term not to exceed five years or both.
1: So Fielder barely escapes felony impersonation charges by her message. But there's a reason she thought it important to indicate her role as a state senator, to try to influence the hospital administration to do what she is commanding. So she says she knows people in high places, like current sitting senators who will punish St. Peter's for not following through with Fielder's command. So that, folks, right there implicates another criminal offense that we have heard about with respect to Austin Knutson and Kristen Hansen's activities in this scenario. Do you remember it? Yep, that's it. Drum
0: roll, please. Intimidation. 45-5-203, Intimidation. One, a person commits the offense of intimidation when, with the purpose to cause another to perform or to omit the performance of any act, the person communicates to another Under circumstances that reasonably tend to produce a fear that it will be carried out, a threat to perform without lawful authority any of the following acts. A. Inflict physical harm on the person threatened or any other person. B. Subject any person to physical confinement or restraint. Or C. Commit any felony.
1: So Fielder wasn't threatening confinement like Knudsen was where he was threatening arrest. But what she was threatening is her influence of the Montana Senate and a lawsuit that she has absolutely no standing to bring whatsoever. But she said it because she thought it sounded good, and apparently rather than be guided by her stated personal philosophy on her website of quote, working constructively without prejudice and quote, doing the best possible in every endeavor she undertakes, she chooses threats and intimidation. And how do we know that Fielder was backpedaling on her involvement in this case? Well, the minute the special counsel started asking questions
0: about her voicemail, this happened. Quote, on November 9th, 2021, the special counsel contacted Commissioner Fielder to initiate an examination of records related to her interactions with the hospital. The special counsel supplied a deadline of November 16th. On November 15th, the commissioner supplied the special counsel with a letter stating that her interactions with St. Peter's were not an agency matter and that no such government records were available to examine. She further clarified that the matter in question, specifically the conduct of corporate hospital, does not fall within the Public Service Commission's jurisdiction and that aside from her response to the special counsel, her involvement did not involve agency resources. She stated that she contacted St. Peter's as a personal matter on behalf of the patient who was a friend, end quote.
1: Okay, so here's why Jennifer Fielder said those key words, this was a personal matter on behalf of the patient, did not involve agency resources, because if you go to the Code of Ethics for legislators and for public servants in Montana, those are the specific key words that call it out. So they say, as long as you don't use agency resources, you're good. As long as you do it on a personal matter, you're good. So she's weaving her way in her comments through the ethical code that she is bound by under Montana law. So this is her after the fact Trying to back cleanup, just like Knutson did. She just happened to weave through the statute to get to the intended result for her, which is her exonerating herself. Well, I didn't use it. Oh, wait, I'm I didn't use any agency resources. And I did this as a personal thing, despite the fact that she represented that she was a state senator in the voicemail. So did the special counsel in response to all of this say, Well, then why did you represent yourself as a senator? And why did you tell the hospital staff that your voicemail was a record? Nope, no. She operated under the, don't ask questions because the answers are damning to the predetermined desired outcome of the investigation. She said, quote, the special counsel has no power to investigate this matter further and takes Commissioner Fielder at her word that this was a personal matter about which no government records exist, even though the voicemail states it was a public matter. Even though the voicemail, she says, I'm a state senator. She didn't put that voicemail in the record as a private individual. Her words, she's a state senator. But no, we're going to look beyond that. We're just come to our own conclusions as a special counsel and say, we're going to take Fielder out of word because her word's good, right? Clearly, this record has shown that her word is solid, good as gold. And of course, she took Fielder out of word because, you know, That's what you do when someone steps in a big pile of shit. You just ignore the smell and convince the public it's lilacs and roses. Nope, nothing to be seen here, folks. And when the press follows up and asks Fielder questions, you know, the relevant questions, well, according to
0: the Montana Free Press, quote, in an interview with Montana Free Press Tuesday, Fielder said she would not characterize the intent behind her phone call as threatening or harassing. I wanted the hospital to be aware that this was a near and dear Senate staffer and that there would be many concerned public officials if she wasn't treated well. I would add that there now are, Fielder said. I don't think it was a threat or harassment. It was to let them know that if they weren't behaving themselves, there would be people in positions to closely scrutinize what went on there and investigate.
1: So again, this legal genius, Jennifer Fielder, literally just described a threat. She says, it was to let them know that if they didn't behave themselves, there would be consequences. That's a threat by definition, right? A threat is a warning. If you don't behave yourself, there will be consequences. I mean, is there any other definition of a threat that anybody knows of? I've never seen one. And that's precisely what Fielder admitted to, all the while saying, but the intent wasn't to threaten or harass. She really thinks we're as dumb as she is. And you know why, folks? Because she, just like the Teresa Manzellas and the Derek Skis of the world, need a government job. They don't have real jobs. Their only job is seeking government positions that pay them the highest wage they will ever earn in the course of their lifetimes. And if your highest salaried position is a government-elected position, what, pray tell, does that say about you? It says you're financially motivated. You are not public service motivated. You want power, but you don't want to actually have to earn it. You would like it handed to you because it's really cushiony to sit in a government-paid position and throw your weight around with literally no consequences. And this is why real Republicans want small government run by competent people because power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And these dimwits who were wholly unsuccessful in real jobs, totally unsuccessful in real jobs, want to rise up on the backs of Montana taxpayers, totally unqualified for the positions they seek and relying solely on beating us to death with their incessant runs for office clamoring for a government pension. The same government that they rail against they just can't get enough of. And this is what we got, folks. Corruption at the top levels of Montana government, brought to you and covered up by the Montana Republican Party. This level of corruption is the kind of stuff that would make Bill Clinton proud and make Ronald Reagan cringe. Carry on, Montana GOP, by continuing to cover up and embrace corruption, you've become exactly what the Democrats hope you to be. And the rest of us true conservatives, us Republicans who believe in principled government, are left disenfranchised, seeking a party that actually follows the rule of law and governs
0: consistent with the principles of the Republican platform. Thank you for taking us with you on your journey today, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Montana Values Podcast. Consider sponsoring the show by going to our website, montanavaluespodcast.com, locating the sponsor page and clicking on the donate button. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at mtvalues. Find us on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. What's your favorite Montana value? How do you live it? Write to us. Our email address is montanavaluespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.